welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You are joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, Zara McDonald, and hello, Annabelle Lee. Hello. Hi, guys. Coming up on today's show, we are obviously back. And boy, do we have it. We have some catching up to do, that is for sure. Paul Meskell and Phoebe Bridges may well be over. No. We obviously need to talk about the Fitzroy Garage Party, a former reality star and another white powder scandal. And then, since when was Selena Gomez? and Nicola Peltz Beckham best friends. Plus, the fast rise of TikToker Alex Earl, The Bachelors premieres to dismal ratings, and a real housewife finds herself behind real bars. But first, Michelle... Welcome back. Thank you. How was your break? Stoked to be here. It was an amazing break. I actually think I had my favourite Christmas Great. I feel like in our family, I mean, my parents aren't together and any children of separated or divorced parents will know this to be true. Christmas can be complicated because you have double the events sometimes to go to. So previous years, I've done like three things in the one day and I've been going from like the beach or the Mornington Peninsula to like the countryside on some days. So this Christmas was different. I did one thing on Christmas Eve, one thing on Christmas Day, one thing on Boxing Day, and it was the best Christmas I've ever had. That not that lovely? It was so relaxed and chill. Did you guys have a good Christmas? Yeah, it was nice. I did, but I, <laughs> I had a good one, but I saw like 110 people over two days. Yeah. And I was just like, but I was tired by the end of it mm. like my partner and I have massive families and I was just like oh, I can't have another conversation get me away from <laughs> I mean I can't be around I get overstimulated quite quickly as well it was great and also it was very nice because I've had a couple of COVID scuttled Christmases so it was nice that no one the day before Christmas was calling saying I've got COVID because yes. that's happened the last few um so I had a I had a lovely break also got to WA you got down the peninsula again as well yeah it was beautiful and Melbourne really turned it on we had some great weather so loved that too I do have a few recommendations as we always do when we come back from a summer break I've got a podcast a TV show and a book oh to that's cover a well organized way to do it I want to preface my podcast recommendation by saying this is absolutely the most blokey thing I've ever <laughs> recommended on shameless but I have been binging as has my whole family Sports Bizarre. Have you you lost me. (laughs) (laughs) Annabelle, you tune out for a few minutes. I could get Zara in on this. I haven't heard of her. Okay, do you know Titus O'Reilly? Oh, yeah, I quite like Titus O'Reilly. Well, I like his tweets, which I think constitutes liking the person. Absolutely. Titus O'Reilly is a comedian and like a a sports media personality in Melbourne. He hosts this podcast alongside Mick Malloy. They have that very classic dynamic where Titus O'Reilly comes to the show with all the information. He's done all the research on one of the most bizarre sports stories in history. Great. And Mick Malloy reacts. This podcast is so funny and so entertaining. I really highly recommend people begin with the episodes on the Tour de France are really interesting. The history behind that and how cheating became such a key part of that sport. Also, the very first episode, the weirdest trade in sports history, where two sport players, baseball players, literally swap wives and hold a press conference to tell the world that they're swapping partners. There are so many bizarre, crazy stories. It's kind of like scandal, but instead of celebrity, it's sport. I love that. Although I'm mildly triggered about the Tour de France thing because I grew up like 
obsessed with Lance yeah. Armstrong. Like he was my <laughs> not surprising. He was like my north star. I read all. I was like ten, and I read all his biographies, and he would constantly <laughs> he gaslighted me for the first ten to fifteen years of my life that he wasn't a, a drug cheat. So when he went on Oprah and said that he was a drug cheat, my whole world fell apart. I think, so I don't think I can listen to it because I've never been lied to by a man more than I have Lance Armstrong. <laughs> it might make you, dare I say, like him. Maybe not be as harsh against. No, because Lance I know Armstrong. they all did it, but Lance was like. Everybody does it. I'm the only one that doesn't. That's how he told his story. You need to go back and read those memoirs. You're clearly anyway. still struggling with something here. Well, anyway. I recommend that for anyone who doesn't have Lance Armstrong related trauma. Yeah, that's great. No, that sounds amazing. I will listen to that. It was really good. My next recommendation, this is hardly groundbreaking. I'm recommending it for the people like me who didn't think they would like this show. I binge watched Wednesday on Netflix with mm. Mitch. I know that's one of the biggest Netflix shows of all time, so I'm not exactly first to the party. However, I looked on at all the Wednesday hype, it being about the Adams family, and thought, I'm not into creepy content. I'm not into dark content. Not for me. Completely and utterly wrong. I frothed Wednesday and absolutely recommend it to everyone, especially if you think it's not for you. I don't think it's for me. It's for you. It's for everyone. I've watched it and I didn't froth it, but I liked it. I re- I thought maybe, it was really funny. Maybe because it seems like it is for you, Annabelle. <laughs> so maybe the people that enjoy it are the people that think that it's not for them. I enjoyed it. I just didn't really think it was like top tier TV, but I love Jenna Ortega. And I thought she really shined in that. Yeah. Sean? Shine. Shine. It's our first episode. That <laughs> either. Well, ignore Annabelle. I thought it was incredible and so did Mitch. I I just don't think I'm drawn to it. Okay, truly. that's fair. Could I interest you in my final rec? Actually, yeah. I think you've read this already. I read Pineapple Street, which is a book coming out in a couple of months. We were lucky enough to get a review copy here at Shameless Media. I read that over the break. It is a book about a very wealthy family living in Brooklyn Heights near New York, of course, and it was just a really sugary, enjoyable read over my summer break. So maybe pre-order Pineapple Street if you want a light read. Yeah, it's a bit Gossip Girly. Yes. A bit, uh, the only thing I can think of is like, I also kind of said it was a cross between Gossip Girl and Succession, namely because of the family so element. It's almost like a slight it's, dynasty vibe. Yeah, it's yeah. not as smart, but it's so beautiful and light and a great yeah. summer read i think when what did we say it comes out march i think it comes out in march or april so pre-order it it's a, like it you really can't go wrong i can't no. imagine anyone hating this book it was a really enjoyable read on the beach i totally agree what about you your break your rex yes so went to western australia for the break i've been trying to get over that border for the last few summers to spend my <laughs> summer there and every time i told people i was going to wa for summer which i have been trying to do everyone says do you have family there and i'm like well yeah, like I have a cousin or two there, but it's not why I'm going. Yeah. Like that's why people are so funny when you travel. It was kind of last year when I went to South Australia, people said, do you have family there? And it's like, we have some beautiful beaches, guys. Like, <laughs> like our country is pretty nice. <laughs> so I had a wonderful time there. Props to people from Perth and Margaret River and things like that, because what a part of the world that you live in. It Con looked incredible. Congratulations to all of you for, <laughs> for having that as part of your day-to-day -day life. As is customary on Shameless when we visit a new part of Australia we have to congratulate those residents pat on the back <laughs> to all of you I do have a few recommendations and I'll try to zoom through them because I've got three but there's another one in my brain that I also want to recommend I think it's the way that we have to take the first episode back is just to throw all the content out right yes vomit out the yeah. wrecks oh that's a nice way to put it <laughs> nice. um, not quite how I was thinking about it now I read some books over the break the top 
few books that I read. I mean, I posted some of them on my Instagram. I'll do some book reviews as well for the Shameless Book Club. So if you're not following that Instagram page, follow that Instagram page. Mm. But I read Bodies of Light by Jennifer Down, which I've been intrigued by for a little while now. It won the Miles Franklin Award, which is one of the biggest literary awards we have in Australia. So I've been really intrigued about it. But it looked kind of big and it sounded kind of heavy and I thought I'm going to read it on the break. It is heavy. It was like it, it really did make my heart hurt a lot and I do want to preface it with that. Have you guys read A Little Life? No. No. Okay. It's hard for me to I know it. what A Little Life is about. You though. know the reputation that A Little Life has. Everyone says it destroyed their soul. Yeah, I wouldn't say this destroyed it as much as A Little Life, but I can't <laughs> remember feeling so emotionally wrought after a book. But with all of that said, this is so beautiful and I think if you are ready to put up the emotional investment that it's going to require of you please read this book it is like a total work of art yeah I just feel like it's important to preface that sometimes because I would hate for people to jump into these books and be like ah fuck no I don't have it in me no we love a warning because I don't really want to torch my soul at the moment so I'll leave it for a little bit absolutely but just keep it in the back of your mind if you want something a bit lighter and sweet and lovely I read Meg Mason's first ever novel so (gasps) I really loved so and Bliss by Meg Mason but that was like her second or third novel I Mm. think You Be Mother is her first and I can't remember characters feeling so vivid it's essentially the story of a young girl who lives in the UK who falls pregnant quite unexpectedly to an Aussie guy after not knowing him very long at all and moves over to Sydney and finds herself quite lonely here I'm in this is my cup of tea (laughs) and befriends the wealthy sort of older neighbor next door it's just pretty wholesome and a lovely story also set in Sydney in summer so it feels Mm. very much like when we read Seeing Other People by Diana Reid you can really put yourself there I mean even though we're based in Melbourne you know Sydney and you know Sydney summer so it's I I like reading books like that yes I have a piece from the New York Times I also really quickly want to recommend I keep going back to this story it's from six months ago it is called The Greatest Life Hacks in the World and it's basically just a list of pieces of life advice this is amazing did we see this over the break in the same way it went viral on tiktok and that's how i saw it and i, I went saw it on twitter it. Oh, okay but i, I think, think it just it, had a moment i think it had a it's very new year energy yes right and i'm not surprised that it started to be shared again because it is from june july it's exactly the kind of life advice you want to take into a new year if you've got that new energy about you. It's amazing. What were your favourite lessons? I've got a few written down for you. I liked this one, which was, if you're giving a speech, be vulnerable, form the audience members and let them catch you, they will. Yes. I think when people are giving speeches, be it at weddings or 21st, there's all this pressure often to be funny. And I think trying to be funny can often come at the expense of the person that you're speaking on. Yes, yes. But there is a lot of pressure when you're giving speeches. You want them to be entertaining. But I think the best advice in the world is if you want it to be entertaining, be vulnerable and tell the truth. Like it's never not going to work. Jokes will often fall flat. Vulnerability won't. You're so right. And often the room is always a safe space because we always sympathize with the person up there giving the speech. Like we all know what that feels like. For sure. Yeah, I love that one. The second one is if you meet a jerk once a month, you've met a jerk. If you meet jerks every day, you are a jerk. That was one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that. I love this one too. I feel like we've spoken about this on the show before. Never be furtive. If you're doing something you don't want others to find out about, it's probably wrong. Mm. 
Mm. I think we speak about that in the context of cheating sometimes Mm. or if people don't know if they're cheating or not. And it's like the minute you're trying to hide something from people or feel like you're doing something wrong, you probably are. Your answer's right there. Yeah. Yeah. And then another one I wanted to read was denying or deflecting a compliment is rude. Accept it with thanks. Love that. We are not trained to accept compliments, particularly as women, I would say. Yeah, I agree. I need a line to just say, thank you so much. Well, that's actually a beautiful line. I was about to say, I'm like, I think we just need to say thank you so much. Like, I need to train myself. But it's true. Yeah, I think that the line to a compliment when you feel uncomfortable is thank you so much and then here's where it's from or like here's a brief line about contextualizing how that's a thing for me. But part of me is like, and I think you're right, I always try to contextualize to say, thanks it's from x brand or thanks it was on sale yeah, 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 yeah. but then i'm like do i need to contextualize it just because i'm awkward can i just say i need to practice saying thanks so much that's really nice of you well, but then i feel so awkward dead air because i always then feel like i need to accept the compliment and then like return a serve or like carry the, the conversation as well because if you just say thanks so much and then it just and ends, it ends. Just static <laughs> but then also if i give a compliment straight back I feel like it sounds disingenuous. Oh, yeah. I yeah. don't like getting a compliment back. I didn't give you a compliment to get, to get one in return. Yeah. And truthfully, I don't really believe you compliment. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't really count if you're just giving it back to me because you feel like you're now obligated to. Can yes. I give you one of my favourite lessons from that? I thought yes. you were going to say, can I give you a compliment? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you both look amazing Thank today, you. by the way. So do you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. One of my favourite lessons from this was when you get invited to something in yeah. the future, ask yourself, would I do this tomorrow? one of the best life lessons ever. I truly feel a bit smug with that one because your dad gave that piece of advice to us or maybe to you and you gave it to me. I reckon when we started this business and we have used that as a yardstick, I mean, sometimes we've been better at it than others for like four years. Paul Andrews, I know you'll be listening. Thank you for one of the best pieces of advice. I keep that in my mind constantly. And this year, even more so, it's like, if I'm honestly not going to do this, I think the better way to frame it is if I'm not going to do this next week, Mm. would I do it at all? Yeah, which is why we say no like 90% of the time. Yeah, 100% to most things that pop up. Last quick recommendation. I'm sorry, I'll be really, really quick. But I read an amazing profile of Ben Simmons over the break, the basketballer Ben Simmons, former boyfriend of Kendall Jenner, if that contextualizes it for our audience <laughs> Make specifically. Make it relevant, yes. Now, Ben Simmons, this is a profile on The Good Weekend. It was from November. He's gone through quite the ringer when it comes to the NBA. I'll be very short and concise about this, but I would say he's the most hated player mm. in the NBA. And I'm not an NBA fan I know very little about the NBA, but I have always been intrigued about the story of Ben Simmons and the level of vitriol that has been thrown his way. I read this profile and I found it really, really fascinating because I felt quite a few parallels actually between maybe the story that Meghan Markle has tried to tell. I thought you were going to say Nick Kyrgios maybe. Maybe as well, but I think, yeah, yeah, that's fair. But I was reading Ben Simmons quotes and I thought... The feeling I have towards you is sort of how I feel towards Meghan Markle, which is to say with Ben, some of the quotes aren't all that likable sometimes and all of those kinds of things. But gosh, I don't think anyone deserves to have the ire of the whole world on them. I promise you, you don't have to be interested in sport again or in the NBA to be interested in this. I do think it's always interesting when someone is just hated with such 
intensity. Yeah, people passionately hate him. Yeah, it's sad. So that's the other one. We will put all of these up on our Instagram stories yes. for you all. I promise you, we know <laughs> there's a, a lot few. there. They'll also be in our show notes. But forgive us, we've been on break. We've been consuming stuff. We have indeed. Guys, today's episode is going to be a big bumper, quick and dirty. We're going to run you through the stories we missed over the summer holiday. We're kicking off with story number one. Angelina Jolie and Paul Meskel enjoy coffee date amid Phoebe Bridges split rumours. That is from page six. How are we feeling, guys? It feels like the funeral of Paul Meskel and Phoebe Bridges' relationship. No, no, I'm in denial still. (laughs) It's not good. I don't feel good. They're done. I think they are done. Now, in case you've missed this story... We really do need to catch you back up. This one started to break just before Christmas, so let's talk about it all. Now, in sort of mid-December, an anonymous tip fell onto the lap of Demois and Demois posted it on Instagram writing, can confirm the engagement is off between Paul Meskel and Phoebe Bridges. It is not an open relationship in the slightest. Paul found out about Phoebe and Bo and called off the engagement. Who is Bo, Zara McDonald? Bo, of course, is Bo Burnham, actor, director, funny guy, funny guy, comedian, (laughs) all round I would say all-round good guy, but I'm not sure about that in the context of this story. Now, Demois also published an episode of the Do You podcast where she ran through sightings of Phoebe and Bo making out, canoodling and cuddling. (laughs) They're all in quotes, in quotation marks, at different spots around LA. So the big rumour was, wow, Phoebe's either cheated or moved on very quickly with Bo Burnham and... Paul Meskel's engagement with her is off. Now, more complicated, Mish, because Bo Burnham has a partner. Yeah, and has since 2013. So like a partner of almost a decade. Yes. And we know for a fact that Phoebe and Bo have been hanging out. There have been photos on Instagram yeah. about it. And they've been friends for a very long time. That's what time. I was going to say. Like, yes, men and women can just be friends. But I would say this absolutely lands in the category of smoky, smoky gossip. I Something. Agree. Why would people... Where there's smoke, there's fire, guys. Where is this coming from if it's not legit? Also, like, Phoebe and Paul have done absolutely nothing over the ensuing weeks to be spotted together, to yeah. squash the rumour. I mean, it's the Christmas summer holidays. I know it's not summer everywhere else in the world. <laughs> but, like, people take time off and hang out with their significant others. Hang out with their families, families. as well. And There's there was just been nothing. nothing. And I do feel like if there, were, if there was this level of rumour about my breakup and it wasn't true, surely you'd be wanting to tell people subtly. Yeah. Just get papped together or something. Upload a story with their hand in it. Yeah, well, it's co- well. Paul Meskel's not on social media, but you would think they've posted photos on Phoebe's profile before yes. i don't know if you need to do like a photo together but just something subtle in like each other's apartment or with each other's family or something to make people go no 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 this is all bullshit they're happier than ever but no it does definitely seem like phoebe and paul are over i know that 49 percent of you care dearly the 51 percent of you that we polled have only ever heard those names on the show no, <laughs> which is honestly oh just horrifying disappointing just the most disappointing now and then we had another headline with Paul Meskel's name on it in early January, guys, because he was photographed getting coffee with Angelina Jolie. Curveball. Now, bit of a curveball. Reportedly, Angelina Jolie watched Paul Meskel perform as Stanley in A Streetcar Named Desire earlier that day when he was performing. And 
they went out for coffee after. Now, mm. I find this the ultimate power move post-breakup because it's a coffee date. Angelina's 16-year-old daughter, Shiloh, was there. Yeah. So it's not like they're photographed getting it on. <laughs> so it's professional when and did innocent. When you become a 50-year-old woman getting like it on? years ago <laughs> when I said smash hit. <laughs> but I do think it's a pretty wonderful fuck you to an ex to be like, I'm having a professional mm. coffee that's very innocent with who is historically been the hottest woman in the world. It's not bad. Historically. It's not bad. She's the historical hot woman <laughs> yeah. of the world. I think Angelina Jolie and Phoebe Bridges occupy a similar brand. Huh? Um, that yes. is, might be an early front runner for worst take no, of 2023. I mean, In what way are Angelina Jolie and Phoebe Bridges, the girl who wears a skeleton leotard? Because Angelina Jolie's edgy. They're both edgy women. They're like, you know. <laughs> Give her nothing. Yeah. About <laughs> I'm trying to see what you're saying. I reckon Phoebe Bridges would have a lot of respect for Angelina Jolie and I feel like this would hurt. Is this to say that Phoebe Bridges would also be partial to wearing a vial of blood around her neck? Yes. I'm like a quarter of the way there. Yes. I don't really agree that I feel much. like Phoebe's more playful than that. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. Look, it's not the best call. No, it's not the worst call. All I'm saying is I just think it's a great move. Yeah, I completely agree. Our second story, unpacking the Fitzroy Garage Party saga <laughs> that has the internet in an absolute tizzy. Oh. That is from Pedestrian. Oh, guys, you've got to talk about this. If you avoided this story over the break, I honestly have no idea how because the week of Christmas was dominated by conversation around the Fitzroy garage party that went viral on TikTok. Now, if you missed it, if you're the 1% who missed it, here's what happened. A bunch of guys from Melbourne, most of them seem to have been like TikTok creators, held a party in a garage in Fitzroy. They documented the night and posted various TikTok videos of that party. Now, one of the guys who posted a video is named Andrew Davey. His video was kind of the OG video it was. that sparked everything. He had geotagged Fitzroy and put the title on his video, Fitzroy Garage Sesh. His caption was, the vibes are here, hashtag Melbourne. <laughs> His video got over 5 million views. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually surprised it was only 5 million because mm. it felt so much bigger than that. But I think everybody stitched the video and had their <laughs> own garage parties. Now, let's describe the original video for those who might not have seen it. I've got the song in the, oh. my head right now. I can't even. Now, a highlight was like, you know, the buzz cuts oh. in real time. They were shaving each other's hair. There were a few... Winks. There were. Uh, there was a guy in a green vest tapping <laughs> on top of the door. The guy kind of doing the prayer sign. That's Andrew Davey shaking the, it towards the camera. That's the guy who uh, posted the video. The vibes are here. Hashtag Melvin. It was tapping on the roof to be like it is pumping. It was like the most pathetic tap in the world. There was a guy in a suit. Yeah, <laughs> see that a guy who looked like like kind of like a waiter. <laughs> yeah, I know that was the guy who got his head checked. Yeah. and then he gave a little wink to the camera. Now, I think for those who live outside Melbourne or even those who live outside Australia, I do think Fitzroy needs to be contextualised here yes. hugely. I mean, it was recently named the coolest neighbourhood in Australia by Time Out. I think it's fair to say that even if people that live in Fitzroy don't want to own this, <laughs> everyone that lives in Fitzroy loves that they live in Fitzroy. Oh, yes. <laughs> and want to tell people that they live in Fitzroy. Absolutely. 
I say this with lots of friends and a sister who lived in Fitzroy. <laughs> it's very Fitzroy. Fitzroy really Fitzroy's. It's hip. Yes. And we're it's not happening. <laughs> we're certainly not cool enough to live there. I do have to say that when Annabelle was moving house about six months ago, she was looking in Fitzroy. <laughs> I was. I'm owning it. I'm owning it. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> You're a bit cooler. <laughs> now, the thing about this, Mish, is there was more than one video. There was a few different angles of this party. Hundreds so of angles. We got lo- we got the whole party on TikTok. Oh, yes. Also, a lot of the guys who shared the party chose a particular song or like category of song to share it with. One song that has since become like synonymous with the Fitzroy Garage Party is Techno Disco Tool by Melody. Like that song now, if I hear it, maybe we can play like five seconds beneath this audio. As soon as I hear this song, I just see the green vest guy tapping the gun. Yeah, I know. It is like, it's visceral. It's totally visceral. Now, some of the top comments were quite a ride. Tyler Dyer wrote, I reckon I can sell them a bag of baking soda for $400. (laughs) Another wrote, extremely difficult to watch, fellas. feel like I'm watching the origin story of the future liberal MPs. And it's giving I've never had to work a day in my life. Now, the thing about this video is it was definitely a laugh and I definitely found it incredibly funny watching people recreate this particularly over Christmas with their like extended families <laughs> yes their families at Christmas lunch like yeah. that was funny as is customary I think with all of these stories when they blow up I, I do always end up feeling sorry for the people at the center of them because it's like wow they've become the butt of this joke without even sort of really realizing that that's what they were walking into yeah and some of the some of the comments were spectacularly harsh that said the other thought that I had as I watched this rightly or wrongly is wow it's really interesting to see young men be denigrated for being content hungry because I often only ever see that with young women like the Mm. inference I think with a lot of the criticism leveled at these men is how pathetic they're obsessed with taking photos and videos of themselves having a party but usually we say that about young women like that's the kind of thing that young women get flack for so there was one part of me that was like justice yeah well it's an interesting one because i think i had almost the inverse take on it and that i i watched all this happen and i was like oh it almost feels like we're seven years behind when it comes to male content creators we're giving them the same flack that we gave women about seven maybe eight ten years ago whereas now women on tiktok are like lauded if they get all the angles of a party everyone's getting around them i think we're in a very different place on tiktok in particular with female content creation and kind of documenting your whole life and vlogging, we're definitely not affording that same appreciation or fandom to guys who do it. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the conversation also got pretty dense, right? Because then people started to talk about gentrification, the idea that young men, like people in this video or young people generally who live around these areas tend to cosplay being working class in Mm. what has been historically a working class area. It's certainly not a working class area anymore. And there was a lot of, I guess, analysis about that to the point where a lot of people on TikTok were like, wow, this was literally just a video of a party and now we're having conversations about gentrification, but I wasn't at all surprised that we got there. Yeah, it's such an interesting one because truthfully, if I hadn't have seen the wave that this became, I mean, uh, the hashtag Fitzroy Garage Party now has 31.5 million views. If I hadn't seen all the commentary, I actually don't think I would have had a single opinion on this original video. I would have seen this on my feed. Maybe my biggest thought would have been, hmm, a bunch of what looked to be private schoolboys having a party not sure I'd like to be there. 
that might have been the extent. Probably not even that. I would have just seen it and gone, eh, I like this song, or eh, it's a partying Fitzroy, whatever. Yeah. Moved on. It's so funny how our opinions are shaped by the comment section on TikTok. It really wasn't until I clicked on the comment section, I was like, actually, yeah, I agree. <laughs> they do look like future liberal MPs. <laughs> no, but I think I think you could say that about most videos. I think with most videos I watch on TikTok, I don't really have a firm opinion about mm. them, but I do think you could extrapolate a lot of meaning and have conversations like this about most videos that are posted. Yeah. Like I do think you can overanalyze and I don't always think that's a bad thing. But I think in this case, as I said at the top, I did feel a bit sorry for these guys. There was a really interesting piece in The Guardian from Amy Ramakis who wrote, there is discourse about how the Fitzroy Garage sesh was an unthinking and selfish event celebrating the gentrification of a working class area. Never mind that the median house price in Fitzroy is about 1.5 million <laughs> or that it will cost you about the same as 12 cases of stomping ground craft beer a week to rent there these days. Fitzroy was once working class and young people who enjoy things like garage seshes are apparently the reason it's no longer so. Mm. I mean, it was exhausting watching some of this commentary, but that said, I do think it speaks to how people want to have conversations about how the identity of suburbs are changing yes. and they use these examples to want to do that. And I don't always find that wrong, but I did find it tiring. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. for sure. I feel so many different ways yeah. about this. I think it was just really smart for a lot of the guys involved to actually get in on the joke. Yes. I think maybe if You've this ever get happens in. to us guys, if we ever find ourselves <laughs> in something like this, we have to get in on the joke <laughs> early. 1,000% and people will know as well now that we'll be doing it through gritted teeth. Well, like, we'll be like, running we'll be like, like crying <laughs> in our desks like, <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> it's true though. It would, it would hurt like hell, but you just got to drag yourself and do <laughs> <laughs> Our third story. Love Island Australia's Cassidy McGill breaks her silence after white powder scandal. That's from the Daily Mail. Yeah, in late December, a screenshot of Cassidy McGill's Instagram story started doing the rounds, particularly on those like influencer watchdog pages, the gossip Instagram accounts. The photo showed Cassidy sitting over a plate with white lines of powder. She was sitting beside a friend. The caption over the image read, oops, see you tomorrow. Now, of course, as the headline suggests, if Cassidy's name sounds familiar, you might remember she was on the first and definitely most successful season of Love Island Australia. She does a lot of social media stuff. She has almost 400,000 Instagram followers. Yeah, now back to the photo, the screenshot that gossip pages shared around show that the story was up for like a matter of minutes. And it feels like the kind of thing that was, again, probably meant to be shared to close friends, not the full list of 400,000 friends, <laughs> which has really brought a few influencers undone in recent years. And yes. The kind of conversation we've had quite a few times <laughs> on this microphone. Is it worth the risk? Probably not. <laughs> I, I have said it once and I'll say it again. Why are we taking photos? <laughs> not only are we, are we taking photos, why are we putting on close friends to start with? This is a question I have for you guys. Am I particularly cynical about even my friends? Like, I think I might have 50 friends on my close friends list. There's no way in hell no, I that I would show 45 of them something like this or like anything remotely controversial. controversial. I would only trust my sisters, you two, and like a handful of friends. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's, yeah. I mean, the people that are on Close Friends don't know which ones I don't trust. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I don't 
trust is just it's too wide of a pool for me and it's not that i think people could be malicious about it but even to post something controversial on coast friends is inviting somebody to take a screenshot and put it to a group whatsapp and then it just spirals and then by that point it's in the hands of people who don't know you and don't care and aren't loyal to you yeah and so then it just goes like wildfire it's risk First reward. What's the reward here for putting it on close friends? What a couple of people go, yeah, send it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> rock, like rock on. Shackers. <laughs> Vibes. Uh, uh, yeah. Spacey Jane. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I truly, I, I know we've had this, I don't, I don't understand it. She uh, did issue an apology via her Instagram stories a week later in early January after going to ground for a few days mission. She wrote, this past week I've been taking time to reflect on my actions. I made a mistake, which I do not take lightly. This behaviour is out of character and I am truly sorry to have let you all down. I am sorry to my friends, family, team and the brands I represent. I hope over time I can earn your trust and respect back. Thank you to those who have reached out. Yeah, there you go, guys. Our fourth story. Selena Gomez got the daintiest matching tattoos with Nicola Peltz Beckham. That is from Allure. All right. Well, this is the friendship I certainly need more answers about, isn't it? Well, I didn't even know this friendship existed until the summer break. Yeah, no, same here. Now, in case you missed it, Selena Gomez and Nicola Peltz Beckham have been hanging out a lot over our summer, their winter. Like this is the friendship that has gone from zero to a hundred incredibly quickly. From what I can glean from these two, if it's at all helpful, they were only ever first spotted together in November 2022. So about two months ago. They ended up spending Thanksgiving together in Miami. They also went to Mexico together for New Year's Eve. On New Year's Eve, they wore matching Valentino outfits like hair, shoes, everything exactly the same. Would you ever do that with me? (laughs) (laughs) You and I, when we dress for something that we're going to together, collab on how we can look the opposite to each other or not match. I I do think, (laughs) sorry if this sounds a bit immature, I do think adults that match... It's a special place in hell. (laughs) (laughs) It's like it's freaky. Don't match. It's freaky. It is the only time you ever burning flames of hell. (laughs) The only time it's ever okay is like if you're in like a Halloween costume together, and it's like costume dressing. Okay, if I was at a party and two besties rock up in identical outfits, it's it's giving cult. It's giving start of horror movie. Does it happen often? I'm trying to think. The last (laughs) time I saw that, they also got matching tattoos that read Angel. Nicola is also featured in five of Selena's last seven posts on Instagram. So truly this came from nowhere and they are really wanting us to know that they're friends. Yeah. Have you guys ever had a friendship go from zero to 100 like this? I don't think I've ever made friends with someone uh, of course, you make friends with people quickly. Full stop. Cut end of episode. Yeah. No, I don't think I've ever gone from oh, I I've never really seen with this person to being we're on Holidays, wearing identical outfits, getting identical tattoos within the space of two months. Like that is incredible. It's almost like a romantic relationship when you see two people go from strangers to like soulmates within two months. Yeah. And what do we say about relationships, like romantic relationships? Isn't it fast rise, fast crash? It's something like beware the non-starter. Do we, people have said that before. Do we think the same rule applies to friendships, ones that start this passionately? Like are they destined to kind of fizzle in the same way they start? I, I don't know. Like I, I truly am just interested in this conversation around friendship in comparison to romantic relationships because I have to be honest and I, I hope this doesn't come across at all harsh because I believe in their friendship and good on them and hope they're happy. But as a sort of more 
observational point in my own personal life, I have felt an area of skepticism about relationships that are this intense and public this quickly. Yeah, for sure. Especially the public nature about it. It's like, you want me to know something. Like, what do you want me to know? Yeah. I... I'm just a little confused. I think I'm just surprised. Number one, I didn't see Selena Gomez and Nicola Peltz-Beckham even being in the same world as each other. I do kind of love the crossover though. I don't hate uh, There's no. something about it where I'm definitely intrigued, but if I told the listeners I wasn't confused, I'd be lying to them. I, I, I totally agree. <laughs> After the break, we have so much more to talk about. We're going to talk about Ellie Golding and that rumour about Ed Sheeran. Prince Harry comes out with all the other revelations <laughs> and then the fast rise of Alex Earl. But first, a word from today's sponsor. Our fifth story. Ali Goulding says the rumour that she cheated on Ed Sheeran with Niall Horan is false. That is from People magazine. This has to be one of the weirdest timed stories ever. But it is connected to something we only just recently discussed in our Summer Scandal series. Now, that series has been on One Direction. In one of the episodes, we told the Scandal listeners about the rumour, the very old rumour now, that Ellie Goulding potentially cheated on Ed Sheeran with One Direction's Niall Horan. Yeah, now if you haven't listened to that, go and listen. But as a very brief explainer, in 2013... Niall had a very public crush on Ellie Goulding and he said so in interviews. She was seeing Ed Sheeran at the time and we know this because they were like holding hands at events publicly and stuff. And then as the rumour goes, and it was just a rumour of course, Ellie slept with Niall at the MTV Video Music Awards and that was the inspiration behind Ed Sheeran's smash hit (laughs) Don't, which he released in 2015. As we said, all rumours, but it all felt very neat. Yeah, and Ed Sheeran kept giving quotes to the media about he had this public relationship and she left him for another person in the same industry. Yeah, and like, yeah. it's smoky gossip for sure. Now, very randomly, last week, Ellie Goulding readdressed the speculation after a fan left a comment on one of her TikTok videos. The comment read, can't believe you cheated on Ed with Niall, but slay for real. <laughs> to which Ellie replied, False, with like a million exclamation marks, but also slay. (laughs) Why do we speak this way now? I don't know. Like, honestly, in 30 years, our children will be doing like language analysis and be like, what is this? Is it our generation's gnarly or like... Or is it, I was going to say, is this going to be our like generation's Shakespeare? And they don't have any idea. Slay for real. Yeah, slay for real. And it's like this like... It's giving Shakespeare. It's giving slay for real. Yeah. Now, over the years, Ellie has said that she has sort of hung out with both men, but has denied it was a cheating scenario. Years ago, she told Seventeen Magazine that her and Ed Sheeran hung out and stuff. But the thing is, if I hang out with someone, it's instantly like I'm dating them. We were never in a relationship. Mm, In the same interview, the interviewer asked her about Niall then, to which she said, we're still friends. We went on a few dates and it was really fun. He's a really, really lovely guy. He's got the biggest sense of humour. He's very caring. And I see him as a genuine friend in the industry. So she's denied it before. For whatever reason, over the summer, she denied it again. Good to know. Good to know. Do we believe it? Uh, False, but also slay. (laughs) (laughs) I think what happened here was she was just casually sleeping with Ed Sheeran. He might have caught feelings for her. Yeah. It was blurry. The lines were blurred. They were holding hands in public, but they had never defined it. And then maybe she had a fling with Niall. She 
saw it as not a cheating scenario. Ed Sheeran saw it as a betrayal. We ended up with some great songs out of the whole thing. So who cares? Yeah, the real winner is us. (laughs) (laughs) Our sixth story. Prince Harry makes major penis. (laughs) Sorry. That is from Seven News. Wonderful, wonderful clickbait from Seven News. Major penis revelation. And look, I'm going to bury the lead because we've got other things to talk about first before we get to the penis. Now, Prince Harry's book Spare is officially out into the world. And wow, the early headlines have been very salacious. (laughs) Now, for context, the book was accidentally released early in Spain. How does that happen? It was in bookstores as well. There were like lines (laughs) around the corner of people trying to get their hands on it. Now... I think I'll try to have a solid read of the book over the next week and return with some thoughts then. Very responsible of you. Well, at the time we're recording, it's on Wednesday. The audiobook dropped on my phone at 5.30 last night. I've listened to like an hour, yep. but not enough to form a, a full opinion. But I think we need to have a conversation about some of the early headlines that did surface, Mish, mm. in the wake of the book being leaked early. Yes, let's rattle off some of the things that Prince Harry has said in his book. Now, again, we don't have the context yet, but we do have have a pretty good idea when it comes to a lot of these stories. Prince Harry has said that Prince William shoved him to the floor and hit him during a fight about Meghan Markle. He said that William and Kate both laughed and encouraged him to wear that now infamous Nazi costume in 2005. He has released text messages between Kate and Meghan relating to an argument they had about Charlotte's bridesmaid dress. And he said in the book that he directly asked his father, Charles, not to marry Camilla. Yes. Now, on top of this, he also said that when Kate and Will got married in 2011, he had a frostbitten penis. He said, <laughs> it's just too much. He said he'd returned from Antarctica and of the experience of having that frostbitten penis at the wedding, he wrote this. Pa was very interested and sympathetic about the discomfort of my frost-nipped ears and cheeks, and it was an effort not to overshare and tell him also about my equally tender penis. I never (laughs) want to hear the word tender penis. Upon arriving home, I'd been horrified to discover that my nether regions were frost-nipped as well, and while the ears and cheeks were already healing, the dodger wasn't. I... Um, it's, it's also like the sorest like other words for penis. We've got Dodger. We've got Dodger, Nether Regents. I hate this. I'm so sorry. I mean, we haven't even included one of the stories that Harry included in this book as well. The fact that he lost his virginity to an older woman who treated him, and I quote, like a young stallion because behind a pub. Because she liked big horses. <laughs> He said she liked big horses and then she treated him like a little young stallion. And then he said, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I am. I don't care. No. He wrote this. It's, I've got a report accurately. My journalist. I mounted quickly, after which she spanked my ass and sent me away. One of my mistakes was letting it happen in a field. <laughs> Just behind a busy pub. Like the horse metaphors throughout this story. (laughs) It's too much. Also, I'm sorry. I also, between tender penis and I mounted her quickly. When people are releasing memoirs, they obviously have to go there. They have to talk about sex. They have to talk about these kinds of things. And we would have a go at them if they didn't. But now he's writing about sex. We're like, "Eh, don't. No way. Are you serious? There are so many memoirs out there that have not gone but I don't to this make- level. I know I flip-flop with Prince Harry I and Meghan. I know, you are a flip-flopper. I am a flip-flopper. After the Netflix special, I was like, team Meghan and Harry. And like, of course the press is awful. All of that I believe. 
but Harry's really annoying. Like, <laughs> just, I hate this. Everything about the book that I've read. It's a bit trashy, it's isn't so, it? It's cheap. Yeah. It's cheap. And he's pocketed so much money from this. And a lot of the headlines I've seen, I'm like, I don't find this relevant. And you're dragging some of your relatives through the mud. You've accused them of leaking to the press and planting stories. And all of that might be true. But we know for a fact now that you're doing the, it's tit for tat now and you're doing the same to them. And then for him to have the gall to get on these publicity interviews and try and convince the journalist that he thinks a reconciliation is possible and the ball's in their court. Bullshit. The ball is in Harry's court now. He has really gone there's, a cheap route with this. There's no way that a reconciliation can ever happen. And, it, and, and if he does genuinely believe that which it seems to be the case that's just delusional in it's my delusional. mind i do not think you can talk about people like this and expect a reconciliation just as much i don't think you can go to like the king's coronation and be around your family after doing this like i, no. I don't think you go to family events when you're talking about them like this that's just what i believe i think it's interesting because my opinion throughout the last couple of weeks has been like i really want to make sure i read this book and then sort of come to a firm idea about what i think about it because i think it's so easy to see other people's readings of the book and snappy headlines and form opinions. And I think that's just naturally what people do. And so I've always said, I'm going to read the book and then come back to it and work out what I think. One thing I do find interesting as an aside, though, is one of the headlines that has been rolling around is about how Prince Harry makes comment on Prince William's balding. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that around. And I thought initially, God, those quotes are a bit weird and I'd love to see them in context. And when I did hear them in context, I thought this was very unnecessary and a bit nasty. Like yeah. it was like, and I think that was the first example I have of a headline that I wanted to see in context. And then I saw it in context and I thought, no, this is just as bad as I thought. Like it felt like an unnecessary jab at your brother's appearance. And I don't really know where you come back from that. Yeah. But I'll be interested to see how I feel about them after reading the book in its entirety. I think it would have been nice for the Netflix series to stand alone because I thought it was strong. I don't think this necessarily undermines or discounts the stories that they were telling in that series. But I don't think he can release a book like this with some of the things it looks like he's saying and assume that he has no role. Some moral high ground. Yeah, yeah, I do feel that. I definitely, over the next week, want to read the context around the Nazi costume. The way this has been positioned in the media is that he's kind of shirking a little bit of blame onto his brother and his sister-in-law. And I find that to be a very interesting thing. And I will definitely be reading this book and I will definitely be curious to see the context around why it was relevant or why he wants to put it out there that William and Kate laughed when he was the one who made the decision to put that uniform on. There's a whole bunch of questions with this. I really want the answers to them. I will be reading it alongside you. Yeah, our seventh story. As most influencers are struggling to maintain fame, a new it girl TikToker grew 1.7 million followers in a month. So who is Alex Earl? That is from Insider. Yeah, this name was everywhere this summer. Annabelle, Mm -hmm. are you familiar with Alex Earl? So I've seen a lot of other TikTokers make TikToks about how much they love Alex Earl. And every time I click on Alex's profile, I'm like, I have no idea who she is and I never look into it. You're not interested. I'm not interested. I was exposed to her by other people talking about her so much that Mm. I was like, who are we talking about here? Now, it feels like she's a TikToker who has ballooned or whose following has ballooned, sorry, (laughs) (laughs) faster than just about anyone in recent memory. She is Miami-based. She's a vlogger and she has a legion of pretty engaged fans, Mish. Yeah, really loyal supporters. Now, why is she newsworthy? Truthfully, 
It's because she is just the moment right now. She has this incredible social engagement. Her growth is beyond that of anyone else we're seeing online. To put it into context, in November 2022, just two months ago when Selena and Thingy became besties. Yes. Alex Earl had a following around 600,000 cumulatively on both of her profiles. 600,000 two months ago, she's now over the 5 million mark. So like everyone is talking about her. Everyone seems to be following her. I don't know what it is about her, but people find her very alluring and engaging. Yeah, for sure. And it's not like the content that she's creating is wildly different to what you can actually find out there on the internet. Mm. That said, I do quite like watching her videos. So do I. Like, I think she's quite a likable personality. She's also self-deprecating and doesn't seem to take herself too seriously, Mm. which is good. But I can't put my finger on it, to be honest. Maybe I'm just on a bandwagon and caught up in the hype as well. Like, to see someone so talked about over such a short amount of time, it's interesting to kind of follow along with that and to kind of keep an eye on it. Yeah, and transparently, we wanted to put that headline in this episode today because she has... The same kind of vibe as like a Molly Mae Hake does. Yeah. And we can just see Alex Earl being someone we speak about multiple times on this show again. So here's your formal introduction. She's a big deal right now and she'll probably be making headlines in 2023. Yeah. Our eighth story. New Look Bachelor draws its lowest ever launch ratings. That is from Mumbrella. Well, The Bachelors aired on Monday night. How did we find it? I thought it was like a fever dream. I didn't hate it. I think the new season of The Bachelor is very much like a cross between Married at First Sight and The Bachelor as we have known it historically. Yeah, it felt different than all the other seasons. I mean, I think that's exactly the point. It's Mm. in a completely different setting. It's got a completely different format. And I don't think I realized how much I needed that until I sat down and watched it because Mm. I clearly was getting very tired of the same formula. I mean, it's set in the Gold Coast. You've got three bachelors, not one. Osha made a point of saying, there are no rose petals around and no candles in sight, as if to be like, it's a new age. (laughs) New year, new me. (laughs) Now, unfortunately, even though I actually didn't mind it, and you didn't mind it. Mm. We seem to be in the minority because basically no one watched it. The 10th season of the show saw its lowest Metro ratings of any premiere episode to date with an average of 309,000 viewers. Mm. It's pretty low. It's very low. To put that in context, the season launch in 2021, that was the season with Jimmy Nicholson, pulled in 482,000. So what? 180,000 almost more and that was seen as a massive flop when Jimmy pulled in those ratings. 2020 we had 681,000 people watch. It was only a few years ago back in 2019 that 828,000 people were watching the premiere episode of The Bachelor. I miss those days when you do an office sweep because it mattered. Everyone cared. We did like bingo with Bachelor contestants and and you were the oracle. They were drinking. I'm not even giving this my, it doesn't deserve. (laughs) You just said you didn't mind it. No, I know. (laughs) Wow, she's a flip-flopper too. No, I don't mind it, but it doesn't feel like it deserves my predictions. You're not invested. I'm not invested. And also it's not the same formula, so I don't think I can apply the same algorithm. Mm. (laughs) Like there's an algorithm going on up here. Yeah, there is. She's always said that there's a formula that she just applies. Maybe we need to get the oracle to make some 2023 predictions. Yeah. You'll say Friday. We'll make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Throw me your stuff. I'll tell you because I do have to say Pete Davidson has been spotted out and about (laughs) with a normie. 
He has, hasn't he? Yes. And Sarah, Sarah got Sarah. the prediction. Cor- no, she said that that would happen, Annabelle. No, but I feel like we negged you, were. you for you, it. I was totally oh, negged. Yeah, yeah well, of course we negged her for it. <laughs> yeah, and I know people might say, well, Emrata was famous. She wasn't normie. That wasn't a relationship. That was a PR stunt. His next partner is a normie. Okay. Anyway. I think, I think 50% of Zara's oracleness is just her twisting facts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, but that's what it takes. <laughs> if you don't have it, you don't have it. Whatever it takes, <laughs> girlfriend. 1,000%. Guys, our ninth and final story. Real Housewives star Jen Shah sentenced to over six years in prison. That is from the BBC. Take it away, Michelle. Yeah, because I am the Real Housewives fanatic amongst us. But I promise you guys and anyone who hasn't watched the show will care about this story. Now, can I set the scene? Absolutely. Okay, so this is quite the journey. Jen Shah is one of the main stars of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. She was one of the original women to launch the show. She is also, in my experience of watching so many of the Housewives franchises, she is one of the wealthiest women I have seen on this show. When Real Housewives of Salt Lake City launched, she was living in a chalet. She had four personal assistance and she was wearing more luxury and designer items than you could possibly dream of the first episode saw her throw a birthday party for a friend that cost eighty thousand (laughs) dollars like she threw a surprise party for a friend and it was almost like a wedding to be honest she has a husband he's known as coach shah or sharif he's a professional american football coach and his salary is around the four hundred and fifty thousand dollar a year mark but since the show began there have been so many questions question marks around how these two live and their lifestyle because 450k a year wouldn't even scratch the surface of how they live well i don't know if you can be spending eighty thousand dollars on a birthday party (laughs) (laughs) if with a four hundred and fifty thousand dollars salary even though that's not a small salary no so there were definitely question marks over her lifestyle and how she afforded it she brought viewers at one stage into her offices she was like the boss of a company the founder of a company and it was always explained as oh i'm in marketing i do marketing marketing and I earn millions from it. In March 2021, things took a super weird turn. While filming The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City in Utah, Jen Shah was arrested. Now, there's even a scene on the show where the other housewives are all waiting to go on a planned trip together and you literally see the police swarm the car park in the background because they cottoned on that Jen would be filming that day and tried to arrest her while she was filming the show. What, to humiliate her or because they thought it was good drama? No, I think the police just knew she would be there. Yeah, They knew she was contracted to to be there so she would show up. Now, she was arrested that day. It turned out the law had finally caught up to Jen, who last week was sentenced to six and a half years in prison for conspiracy to commit wire fraud. In layman's terms, she has been found to have intentionally targeted vulnerable people, particularly the elderly, in order to sell their information onto fellow members of a fraud scheme that she was involved with. Jesus. Yeah. As reported by the BBC, the scheme has defrauded thousands of people since 2012. Among the victims was a widow in her 70s who lost half of her life savings and another person with a health condition who became homeless after losing money to the scheme to pay for misleading business opportunities, according to victim statements. Well, that's just sad. It's really sad, but it's so strange to me that someone who's doing this, someone who's earning all this money in such an awful, morally bankrupt way, then has the arrogance to go on an extremely popular show Mm. that is broadcast around the world, flaunt that wealth, and think no one's going to look at it and go, 
where does that come from? But I think, isn't that the thing about psychopaths isn't that they like hide in plain sight? Mm. Often like sometimes you'll look on social media. I mean, this doesn't happen all the time. But you'll know <laughs> something. I mean, this is going to be vague. <laughs> this is vague. <laughs> cryptic already. It's so cryptic. And I don't know how to say this without giving up weird examples. But you see people being blatant about stuff. Yes. And you know what's going on behind closed doors. And you think, gosh, if that stuff behind closed doors was happening to me, I don't think I'd be so loud brazen, online. Brazen, yeah. I feel so brazen. I'd be quiet because I wouldn't want anyone to suspect that things are going on behind closed doors. You're so right. Because then you think, well, they can't have done that thing because they wouldn't be so brazen about it yes, if they had. I could never do that. She has to be innocent. So it's like being gaslit a little bit yeah absolutely well if if that makes sense (laughs) for all the i feel like we're on the train yeah yeah Yeah, i feel like we're all here the weirdest thing about all of this is that jen repeatedly insisted that she was innocent on the show like while she was going through this court process she was filmed the entire time she even coined the catchphrase the only thing i'm guilty of is being (laughs) charmazing and sold merch about her innocence she changed her tune drastically last july when she pleaded guilty Now, according to one interview I listened to, Jen has to serve at least 85% of that six and a half year sentence because it's a federal offense that she's been found guilty of. There's no chance that she'll get one of those, you know, like heavily reduced sentences. She's just back out in the world. Yeah, like the Paris Hilton who goes in for like 72 hours or something. She will be there for at least 85% of that six and a half years. She's also had to cough up $6.5 million, that's US in assets, and she has to pay $9.5 million in restitution. Wow. And this all played out on the show. All played out on the show. I know I don't need to give it another plug. plug, But (laughs) please, guys, watch Real Housewives of Salt Lake City at least the first three seasons. It's so good. My goodness. Guys, that is all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for joining us. We are very happy to be back. We are very happy to be talking about the celebrity news cycle. It's hard when you're on break and stuff happens <laughs> and no one has to listen to you talk about it. Mitch doesn't care. No. I try and talk to him and he does not give a fuck. Oh, we only got around Fitzroy Garage Party. I think that's all, all <laughs> yeah, same, we got around. So it was tough. It is so nice to be back. If you want to support us, you know what to do. Click follow on Spotify or on Apple or wherever you get your shows. That just helps other people find us. And uh, it's very, very helpful. Yeah. Annabelle Lee, anything to add? No. No. No, no. a sweet one today. Angel Annabelle. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Guys, we will be back in your ears on Monday for another episode of Scandal. Bye. Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.